Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm sitting again with Eric Deckers, who is now the official co-host of Converge Coffee. He's also president of Pro's Blog Service, a content marketing agency where he helps clients around the world. As well, he's an author of co-author of three different books. He's been blogging since 1997. He's been a humor column since 1994, and he has over 35 years of writing experience. But this is the reason why I wanted to bring him on, because I am like a data nut, and Eric is a complimentary to me in the sense that he is a content nut. And so we're going to talk about chat GPT and the, the revolutionary AI software that can get you all these ideas and prompts and uh, notions and paragraphs and, po and posts and everything else. But I wanted to get it straight from the horse's mouth of someone who's been in the content world for over 35 years. So, Eric, thanks for being on the show. How You're are you? welcome. Good seeing you again. You too. And so, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> we were just talking about this as well as talking about Brooklyn Nash. Um, just to kind of shout out because he's a really other good content person out there. And he was talking about how AI writing is very similar to instant coffee, that you get the same results. So it's basically like, um, you know, there's another crappy one for the day. Is it sludge or what is it? And so I wanted to get mm -hmm. your perspective in on this from the start. The floor is yours. Is having over 35 or having 35 years of writing experience. What is your view on chat GPT taking entry level content jobs? Because it's not as sophisticated to get those expert jobs yet, but it may be um, predatory to the ones that are entry level jobs. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're quite there yet because I've I've had a chance to test out ChatGPT a few times and some of the AI other AI writers, and what they deliver is rather clunky and disjointed and very very basic. Now a few years ago, uh, there were some some AI writers that you could give them a bunch of facts and they would spit out a bunch of sentences but these sentences were not related. They weren't part of a narrative. Um, in fact, I remember playing Yahoo Fantasy Football. <clears throat> and so like if your team and my team played each other, uh, come Tuesday morning when the, when the weekend was over, we would get a news story about how our teams performed. And it was based on uh, just different algorithms, based on point differentials, based on how each of our uh, individual players performed, et cetera, et cetera. And so I looked at uh, one of those articles once, and then I, I did a find and replace that any period and space was replaced by uh, a hard return and turned it all into bullet points. And the article read exactly the same. It didn't, it didn't affect anything. You do that with a novel, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be terrible. But I did it with the article, and I realized each sentence is just a single item. You know, my team... Uh, squeaked past your team or my team soundly thrashed your team. And it was based on, you know, the point differential. And it was like Mad Libs. And so depending on how, how many points I won or lost by would affect the verb they picked. And then it was things like, you know, my quarterback scored 300 and some points, which uh, made him third in the entire league. Uh, if I played like this uh, every week, uh, my record would be, you know, 12 and four or, you know, something like that. And so, and it was, it was very rudimentary and it was useful, but it wasn't, 
it wasn't anything that marketers and writers needed to worry about. It was useful more for like little league teams and sports leagues that didn't want to write or couldn't write individual stories for every, you know, little league game around the city. They could generate this story as kind of an added value to the parents who are, are paying for, uh, you know, paying for that, that their kid to play. So at that point, let me back up several years. Um, before that point, when you looked at some of the, the, the like quarterly financial statements written by companies and published on Yahoo Finance and on uh, Forbes and Bloomberg and places like that, those were all written by you know, entry-level journalists. You know, they graduated from college and their first job was writing quarterly financial statements for Yahoo Finance. And then that all got outsourced to India and all the writers in the U S got rather upset. You know, they're they're shipping out our jobs. We're out of jobs. This is you know harmful to the industry, blah, blah, blah. And then applied scientific and those AI writers came along and did the same thing. And all the Indian writers were making the same complaints. You know, they're taking our jobs. This is harmful to the industry. This, you know, this shall not stand. And, and so, we saw AI performing these basic functions because those financial stories were completely devoid of personality. You had like four or five sentences on how a company performed in the last quarter. What did that look like year over year? Was this up or was this down? Blah, blah, blah. It was all the same formula. And so you could almost write it with a spreadsheet. But, you know, the uh, Applied Scientific, uh, I think that was the name of the company, they did it through AI. And at the time, the CEO of the company said, one day we will be able to write romance novels because they are so formulaic. Well, they never got there, but this was, you know, 2013, 2014. Uh, and so fast forward now, nine, 10 years later with ChatGPT, we're still not there, but it's starting to get a little smarter in that it can find more information and pull from all this information, but the results it delivers, I look at this stuff, I'm not worried as, you know, as a veteran writer who has years of experience and knowledge, but I don't think the entry-level writers should be worried just yet. Uh, by the time they get it uh, developed to a certain level, hopefully you will be beyond that point where, you know, it's five, ten years later and you're now a veteran writer, but the people who are in middle school now wanting to be writers, that's who may have to worry, but we're still a long, long way from that. You know, it's still, like I said, it's, it's very clunky. It's inaccurate. It is, uh, you know, it's not well done. And so they still have a long road ahead of them in order to make this where it's even threatening to real writers. I like the synopsis, Eric, like going through just even simply just like we had entry level writers in New York writing about finances and then I got shipped to India and then AI writing tools, you know, took that back. But it's more so of what you're kind of talking about is that thinking critically and building and putting your experiences and building out from different reference points in your mind is that AI software is very linear. It is not cohabitative. It's not an ecosystem build. It's not correlated. It's not other things. 
And so, yeah, the information is going to be wrong. Like, yeah, it could pass tests, but those are very linear. It's like, oh, I'm going to pull from this database and find this answer to this thing or find this bullet rather than writing a sentence where it tells a narrative, go from long to short sentences to actually feel the emotion. It's not going to ever replace that. Um, if it is, it's probably going to be hundred years, hundred years from now. And I'll, I'll put my stake in that because I'll be dead by then. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of the next question we kind of want to like, you know, put things together here is that um, kind of hinting on, you know, there's been also trends kind of going through. We had the SEO trend, we had the content trend, and now we're having like the AI trend with different things. But it's more so of like, you've mentioned that you've, you've tested out things. Um, you've seen other, and I've, and I've seen, I've tested out, you know, chat GPT and, and I've, and I've just seen what other people have been testing out and what's the capabilities and more so is, you know, is this hindering like marketing teams? Is this hindering companies getting the message out? Um, as well as if it isn't now, could it be in the future? Like what are kind of the things to look out for is like, how, how can it, you know, should marketing teams, should sales teams be utilizing it for enablement pieces and messaging out to customers? If not, then when should they be aware of that? Um, I think the hindrance is going to come when you get a, a decision maker who thinks that it works. And so they're going to say, we are going to start, you know, we're going to fire our writers. We're going to shut off our freelance program and we're going to use AI writing and because it's cheap, it's free even. And they're going to find out the hard way that they have shot themselves in the foot when it comes to all the, all the benefits they're supposedly getting, you know, case in point, <clears throat> uh, you look at what's being written now, there are a lot of errors that are, that are being created by what they're finding. And I'm, I'm sure this problem has been fixed, but, um, the, the example I've heard and, and I use over and over is if you were to ask chat GPT, who was the president of the United States in 1492, it will report back that Christopher Columbus was the president of the U.S. in 1492 because it won't check and see is the information I just shared correct. What it does is it looks for keywords. You, you said Christopher Columbus. You said 1492. You said United States. And it looks and it sees that when it searches for the year 1492, or, and, and I guess you didn't say Christopher Columbus. You said 1492. It sees that Christopher Columbus is a name used a lot in relation to 1492, the president is always mentioned a lot, uh, was, you know, or regarding the United States. And so therefore Christopher Columbus must have been the president and it reports back that he was the president in 1492. And so again, they've most likely fixed that error, but there are still a lot of factual errors and things that are being, uh, being used. And so companies that try to replace their writers, with this AI uh, writing is they're going to hurt themselves because, you know, switching hats. One thing you want with SEO is you want to increase your web traffic and you want to get information uh, and articles and content that are interesting enough to keep people around. If you have good articles, people will, will, come into your website and they'll say, oh, that was good. I want more. 
and they'll go on to the next page and then they'll, you know, they'll fill out the form and they'll download your ebook and they'll attend your webinars and blah, blah, blah. And that's how you move them through the sales funnel. But if you're generating a lot of AI content that's just garbage, they show up, they read it, they say, this is garbage. I bet anything else I look at will also be garbage. And so I'm not sticking around to find out. And so you get a lot of companies that, that focus on web traffic. You know, we need a lot of web visitors to our site each month. I need 10,000 visitors to our site each month. I could pay this guy $1,000 to write an article that 10,000 people will want to read, or I can use AI for very, very cheap, if not free, to write 10,000 articles that one person each will read. They will get 10,000 readers each looking at a single article. And they think, great, I've solved my problem. I've had 10,000 visitors and it didn't cost me a dime, but those 10,000 readers will see that article that they re read and go, that's garbage, I'm not coming back. So, so you get what you pay for, not only in the results that are created, but in the results that you are generating. Well, it goes down to critical thinking and it goes down to um, cost-benefit analysis of going mm -hmm. through and saying, and I think, you know, in our society, we've become so systematized. And I've, I kind of mentioned this before and other things and just recently where you're seeing companies now where they sold these systems and now they're hurting our professional services because they lost money or they lost significant amount of money in their companies because the system is too complicated or people are not to the point of fully utilizing the system where professional services makes sense. But the thing is, is that it should be the simplicity of rooting through the noise, trying to find the right customers and ecosystems of not trying to go, like you said, pay me a thousand dollars. I'll write and get you 10,000 visitors. Like, like if you get people to come there, they'll stay around the engagement rate. They're going to stick around. Mm -hmm. They're going to remember you. But you're right. If they if you just don't pay for anything and you get like ten thousand articles where it's it's cheap crap, it's just like product going to the dollar store. Not saying the dollar store is bad because there's a lot of good deals at the dollar store. But if you're going for crap, then you're going to get crap. If you're going for quality, you're going to get quality. And so yeah, you're right. Like ten thousand articles, one view on those ten thousand articles. But the thing is, is that what's your engagement rate? How are they? How long are they staying on? Or even you know, did they even convert? Like, if they stayed on for a, like ten seconds, like nine, like ninety nine point nine percent, they're not going to convert. Yeah. And so that's kind of the thing is like, what what's going to affect conversion rate? What's going to affect you know for them to sign up for a demo to to do the action that you want on their website? So going through and passing the grill question portion because we always we've. I think you've, you're you're a veteran on this this podcast of kind of the structure and everything, and this is more so just kind of opening the floor here to kind of share your story of, you know, you've been through it where you've seen you know transitions in content marketing, content writing, whatever that is, and just want to kind of get the lay of your land in the sense of your wisdom and your knowledge just to kind of pass down to people who are really like listening to this in the sense of. Not to be worried, to stay fast and stay true to them, but more so of like what what are some things to look out for, um, as well as like what what do you plant your foot in the ground and kind of say, you know, this is me or this is what I should stick to. Yep. Um, 
Well, and it kind of goes back to what is the future of content marketing? And I give talks quite a, a bit at marketing conferences about what is the future of content marketing? What is it going to look like next year in five years and 10 years? And when you get to the root of content creation, nothing has changed in the last 5,000 years. And it is not going to change in the next 5,000 years because the root of all content, the foundation of all content are words, images, and sounds. So, you know, the stories we tell, the stories we write, the photos we take, the images we draw, the videos we shoot, the, the music we record, the podcast we record, all of that is just words, images, and sounds. And we've had words, images, and sounds ever since we could talk to each other and could tell stories. And ever since they were, you know, painting on caves. And so in the future, the tools are going to change. We may not have blogs anymore. We may have something else. We may not have newsletters anymore. We may have something else. But we will have written content. Um, you know, we're always going to have videos. I think, you know, that's, that's something that's never going to change. But even if we no longer had YouTube, We'll still have videos. We'll still have ways to, to record and share videos. We'll still have a way to record and share uh, photos and music. And, and so the thing that I tell people is just be good at the content. Don't worry about the tool. You know, I, <clears throat> I was using the Internet back in the late 80s and early 90s, back when it was one of six competing networks. And, uh, you know, and, and the Internet was just one of the, the other networks like BitNet or Usenet, which was the uh, forum discussion groups. Um, so you and I could just be talking about BitNet as, as the thing that we go on. I went on BitNet today and I looked this thing up. It just so happened that, and DARPAnet was another one, it just so happened that Internet won out. So I've been using this for a long time, and it's always been about how we do the content. It's never been about the tool. It's, it always changes. But if you can be good at the thing that you do rather than the tool that you use, you'll always have work. And I think AI is just one more tool that we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to roll with the changes, but it's never going to replace us. I don't think it's ever going, at least not in, in our lifetimes, it's never going to get good enough that it replaces writers or, or, you know, video producers. I mean, think about the, just the things that we can do as humans to find uh, connections where a computer might not. Like, um, you know, if, you're, if you could see the, my video screen, you can see I've got a few bobbleheads of Brett the Hitman Hart and Ty Webb from Caddyshack and Mr. Rogers. Well, what if I wrote a blog article about, uh, you know, what Mr. Rogers can teach us about content marketing or what Brett the Hitman Hart can teach us about content marketing? Or what do Brett the Hitman Hart and Mr. Rogers have in common? An AI system can't do that. It can't think that way. Uh, it, can't, it can't come up with humor the same way that humans can because it doesn't, it may be able to repeat a joke, but it doesn't understand humor. And so it doesn't understand how to make people laugh. And so, you know, it's that kind of analysis and that kind of connection and that kind of humor creation where we will always uh, outperform machines they just you know they can make more crap than we can 
Yeah, you're right. They make more crap than we can. Um, they can really help facilitate and scale things, but also we've become so rooted in building systems out or relying on heavy set CRM systems or automation systems when it's almost like we have to take a step back and, and, and reverse engineer the customer experience where I recently read something where they said that people who are novice or not or beginners execute without putting in the processes. Experts mm -hmm. look at it. This is how we're going to process build it in order to execute, in order to get to those systems. But we've gotten to some point where it was just easy just to, you know, buy a system and hopefully it works or hopefully it will gain things rather than thinking critically or, or even thinking with emotion. Like humor, like you said, you, you have the laughing stock humor column. And I loved it because you talked about how it's bi-directional, very linear of going back and forth, but it is not um, – it's not facilitating those emotions. It's not building all those other things that are around there where you can truly connect with somebody. And even just, you know, and, you know, comedians don't get it right all the time and they have to test it out on how other people feel mm -hmm. and the interactions, the behavioral patterns. AI, like you, like you said, will never get to that unless, I mean, if there's some ingenious way to do it, I haven't seen it. Like the movies always are precursors to things, so you never know. But... Right now, I think you um, made me feel comfortable as well as like especially some entry-level writers out there. Yep. And people are – and even in marketing is that it's just another fad. A lot of people are talking about it. People are testing it out just to see how it is. But you got to take it with a grain of salt in the sense that stay true to your craft. Be aware of things that are going on. Test it out if you're curious or listen to what other people are doing. But don't like – don't fall for the snake oil. <laughs> right. And so here's another thing kind of tied into that. Um, and and I'm going to take a poke at, at your profession for a minute um, is the idea that the, the creative professionals should not be listening to uh, to the systems, whether it's AI or whether it's just basic analysis for content ideas, because if you let the research and the analytics drive the content, you're never going to figure out big new things. Like, you know, a lot of people say uh, no one knew we needed a, an iPhone or uh, an iPod until Steve Jobs told us. And if if Steve Jobs had listened to the market, we wouldn't have these things. But, uh, you know, I, I'll give you a personal example. I had a client, uh, Signorama, the national sign-making franchise that – I was blogging for them eight times a month on just anything related to sign making. And I happened to talk to one of the franchise owners out in California. And he mentioned that instead of doing vehicle wraps, like on cars and trucks, and you see these bright photos on cars, they do that. <clears throat> he did it for professional fishermen. You know, the, the sport fishermen that goes out to the competitions, instead of putting stickers on a boat, they would put a vinyl wrap on a boat. And so I, I did an article on boat wraps, and we had never done one. In fact, nobody else around the country was doing it, but, uh, but I wrote it and published it. And then our SEO person, who is also a third-party person, got really irritated with me and said, why would you do that? We've never had anybody visit the site looking for boat wraps. And I said, well, how much content is there about boat wraps? She said, well, none. I said, well, exactly. So how are people going to come looking for it? 
and so a month later, when we were having our, our regular monthly meeting about blog performance, I saw in her report the second most visited page behind the home page was the article on boat wraps. And so me being me, I pointed it out in the middle of the meeting. I said, hey, did you see how well boat wraps did? And she said, yes. I said, boat wraps. And she goes, yes, I know. So just to kind of, you know, dig my hole a little deeper, I did another article on boat wraps. Um, but, and she kind of learned the lesson that, that analytics does not drive content. You know, your brain uh, as the creator should drive that. And then the analytics tells you how well you did. And so we need to do that with, with chat GPT. It should not be driving what we do. It should not be leading our, our content creation efforts. We can ask it questions and it can certainly help us, but it is a tool just like Grammarly is. You know, you use Grammarly or we should be using Grammarly uh, and plug for the annual plan, but we should be using uh, Grammarly to find all of the errors that human editors don't find. Um, but it's not the only thing. Uh, and so we could be using, uh, if we use AI at all, we can use it to find basic information, but it is not the thing that's doing the final creation. It gives ideas, but it doesn't make those ideas happen. No, you, you hit it on the head. I really love the, uh, the SEO idea because I've talked to some SEO people where it's, it's a very reactionary um, function like a business is a very reactionary job in the sense of this is what people are doing and but it's mostly you have to be proactive and so being a con like you know when you said creator like you know i've always been in the, the mindset of like data analytics and that kind of stuff to see but you're right like you know data analytics are your your pressure points it's your it's your points of like okay how do we pivot this how do we do this because i know that we can get there and it just takes some time but so i even i think i told you last week or the other day i was like so 67% of the people who are on this show talk about customer experience. The purpose of the show was actually talking about marketing actionable results, but the four elements were messaging, design, tech, and customer experience. But at the beginning of the beginning of this podcast was everybody was talking about messaging, design, and tech. And then customer experience was just kind of like muddled in there. And then over the last three years, as I've been releasing more episodes, more guests have been talking about customer experience and then they interlay messaging design and tech. And so you see the flips in people's perceptions of things where you start talking to them and started talking in a cumulative, cumulative, a lot of bunch, a cumulative <laughs> bunch being tongue tied here that you start noticing people's trends and, and doing things. And those are the behavioral patterns but if you start, like like you said, dialing in on certain keywords or how to do things, you're becoming narrow-minded in the sense of what's going on in the ecosystems and what other things and, and little pockets that are going on that are being created. And so, yeah, I mean, and I like the little plug for Grammarly because I use that from time to time. Um, oh, I live Eric, by it. Yeah. Well, Eric, I mean, I think you expounded upon, and this part of the episode's about you, like I think you've expounded upon so many different times in the sense of why you why you do content marketing and you've and you've put that in there why you're a writer and that kind of stuff but if you want to give a little synopsis of why you do what you do as well as are there any updates in the sense of a new hobby that you took up or a new health 
like not hack, but a new health like thing that you've integrated it into yourself that would inspire um, the listeners this time around. Um, no, nothing is. I mean, we we talked not too long ago, so nothing has really changed in that sense. I'm still focused on health and eating well, and I haven't been exercising as much as I should. And I, I, it was so nice down here in Orlando right now. This is the perfect time to get out and walking because in another three months, it's going to be terrible. Um, just 90 degrees until October, but, uh, but now's the time to do it. And so, uh, oh, there, there has been a change. I don't know if you'd call it a hobby, uh, so much as a, a deep interest. Uh, I have a grandson. My oldest daughter, uh, had a baby two weeks ago. And so now I am, uh, Opa. And, uh, so that's my new interest is, uh, you know, whenever he's over, he consumed my whole day. So I don't get any work done. <laughs> oh, I love that too. I've got a niece and a nephew. So, I mean, it's, it's carrying on to the next generation. And I feel like that has kind of been the culmination of this episode is that yep. you're giving your, your sage words of, you know, wisdom onto the next generation where, uh, you know, you know, people are a little bit down the ladder in life and, and their your career trajectory as you are. And just, you know, expounding upon that as well as I think your just true love of interest of just helping those um, to level up or to, to be better as well as like, by the way, congratulations too. I know I've Thank said it a few times, um, but I really love your, your advice going through everything of just, just the little sage words of wisdom, just kind of, and dropping in there, showing that your, your expertise is like, you don't need, you know, um, a rope and a ladder to climb a mountain. If you've done it so many different times, you know, the crevices, you know, the valleys to get up to the point where you need to get to. And I think that's a culmination of this kind of um, experiences is that, you know, AI is not going to replace human interaction and it's not going to replace humans. It'll be a facilitating tool um, to help out to possibly get there faster. But right now it's still clunky and messy, but that's okay. As long as there's um, people out there willing to work on it. But in the meantime, you know, creators be creating. So thank you, Eric, so much for being on this episode. Sure. Thank you. And to all the Converge Coffee drinkers out there, that's a wrap.